Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We believe well-designed employee benefit plans enhance people's lives. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Hi, Al. How are you doing today, Robin? I am doing quite well. I was about to say winter is here, but it sure doesn't feel like it today because it's actually quite mild and looks quite nice for, for the weekend. But holidays are quickly approaching. Yeah, that's the next big thing, right? Getting ready for Christmas now. So we're fast approaching it. I'm sure the time's going to fly uh, by pretty quickly and it'll be honest in no time. Yeah, no kidding. It's funny. As soon as Halloween goes by, one day after I see the neighbors around the uh, putting the wreaths up and their, and their lights up. So yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be on us pretty quickly. So I'm excited about today's show. And I was trying to figure out how we met. One of us reached out to each other. And then I was thinking it was, and I'll, and I'll talk about it in a second after I do the intro with Aaron, but it's, it's kind of cool how we're, we're meeting people these days. So joining us today is Aaron Burry, CEO at Willful. Willful has been featured on CBC News, The Globe and Mail, The Toronto Star, and even my early morning staple, CB24 News. What's up, Gurdeep? Welcome to the show, Erin. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Al. Excited to be here. It's kind of funny. When I started thinking about how we got in touch with each other, and I was thinking, okay, one of us reached out to one another or, or something, and, and I'm sure it was on LinkedIn. But then I remembered it was one of your team members, Julia. Mm-hmm. Our amazing COO. She's a powerhouse. She is amazing. And one of the things that Al and I have been talking about uh, lately is, is people. And from doing this series, we're seeing that people are really the driving force in a lot of these companies. So you've really got a superstar in Julia and you might have to be careful. I might, I might, I might try to steal her after this. I bunch. know. I'm going to have to butter her up after this. Make sure I can hold on to her. Well, listen, really great to have you here because we're interested in hearing your story, you know, your founder's story. We were speaking offline a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's really interesting. So why don't we start with you telling us what is Willful? That's an easy softball to start with, Robin. I appreciate okay. that. So Willful is an online will platform that helps Canadians get a will and power of attorney documents in less than 20 minutes. And really the, the goal is not only to help empower people to get these important legal documents checked off the list, but also just to provide some education about end-of-life planning in general, because it tends to be a topic that people not only avoid thinking about, but that generally Canadians are just not that informed about, because it's not a topic we learn much about in school. We don't really talk about it with our families. So hopefully we can be that consumer brand that educates you about everything you need to know if you're preparing for your own passing or if your family is putting those plans into action. Yeah, it's interesting. I've read several articles since the pandemic uh, happened earlier this year, and I've had conversations with Al because I think he would experience it as a, as a financial and estate planner. I forget what the number was, but I remember reading and it surprised me how high it was how many people were really unprepared when COVID-19 hit. And of course, in the beginning, however you feel about COVID-19, I mean, obviously, 
a lot of people were getting sick and, and, and some were passing away, unfortunately. And the numbers that I was hearing about people being unprepared and without a will were staggering. So I think this is something, this is an important topic to talk about. I know Al, maybe Al can talk a little bit further about this, but I think when Al meets someone for the first time, one of the first questions he, he asks them is, do you have a will? So this is really important. Al? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's one of the things that always comes up during our planning is not just talking about uh, what, you know, what you're planning for today, but obviously down the road, how you've got things set up for your family should something unfortunate happen. So it's definitely a topic that's very timely. So Aaron, I had a question we had spoken earlier offline before this podcast, and you were talking about how, you know, you didn't start out thinking, hey, I want to grow up to be an entrepreneur. So can you tell us how you went down that road and how you became interested in startups a little bit? Yeah, well, Al, I also didn't grow up thinking I want to be in wills and estates. So uh, <laughs> two unexpected paths. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in a house, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in Canada, then you probably grew up hearing about Nortel. And I grew up with my mom and my stepdad working at Nortel, huge Canadian tech company. My dad was a journalist, a lifelong journalist at a Belleville newspaper. So I had parents that worked for multinational companies. And I always thought it seemed pretty fun. They got Christmas bonuses and they got to go on business trips and they worked for companies that had TV commercials and it just seemed really cool. So not only did I aspire to grow up and work for a Fortune 500 because I saw that emulated in my parents, I also had no idea what entrepreneurship was. The word entrepreneur when I was growing up in the 90s was very uncommon. I think small business owner may have been more common, but even then the small business owners were the people that owned the bakery in your hometown or the folks that owned the restaurant that you ate at on a Friday night. They certainly were not the tech entrepreneurs that have become the role models that today's young people look up to. So when I graduated from school with a journalism degree, not as an estate lawyer, I pursued a career in marketing and went to a big marketing firm. And it was only after my mom actually introduced me to a, a great female entrepreneur, Sarah Prevett, who became uh, kind of my role model mentor and friend to this day. She introduced me to her and, and Sarah recruited me to go work at her startup. And honestly, it was one of those TSN turning points, which our Canadian listeners will also know, <laughs> where it just put me on this path of learning about startups, interviewing entrepreneurs. And it opened up my eyes to the fact that I always say you never get rich working for someone else. And it's not just about the money, I think, that compelled me towards entrepreneurship. It was also this idea of autonomy, owning your own destiny, being a part of something small and scrappy and getting a ton more experience than you would have climbing the corporate ladder. So yeah, that set me on a path to now being an entrepreneur myself and being extremely passionate about encouraging others to pursue that path as well. That's very cool. And, I, and I'm sitting here listening to you. And I think we've had not identical paths, but very similar paths. I worked for very huge on the insurance side, so very large Canadian carriers. And I wouldn't trade that experience for anything, right? And, and you know, I've got all my training and I, and I met a ton of people. And be, before I became an entrepreneur, by the time that happened, I had made all these connections in the industry and got all my education, all that sort of thing. So I wouldn't change it. But you're exactly right, Aaron. You don't really get rich working for someone else. And again, you're right. It's not about the money. It's about building something, putting your stamp on something. And I think Al will kind of relate to my next question. And he might chuckle as I say this, because within the organization, I am the one who comes with 30 ideas over a quarter. And sometimes I think my due business partners, Al and Joe, will roll their eyes at certain things. But I know a couple of them will stick along the way. 
And within our organization, we call Al the voice of reason. And we it's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> yes, that's a nice way of saying it. And I think I think Aaron's husband has a, has an even better term. So your husband used to call you the dream killer, but now he's your co-founder. How did that happen? Yeah, it's a great question. So after I had worked in startups for a little while, I put my journalism degree to good use. And I was on the founding team at Betakit, which is Canada's top startup publication, and spent a couple years there writing about tech founders from all over the world and interviewing really cool people like Mark Cuban and the founders of Stripe. And so I had a lot of exposure to ideas and to which ideas grew and succeeded and which ideas had already been done and which ideas failed. I don't consider myself a born entrepreneur. I kind of was exposed to it and became entrepreneurial, but I've never been like you, Robin. I've never been one of the people who has a million ideas and had side businesses in high school. And that just wasn't me. And so my husband, Kevin, has always been that person. And so he used to come home every five days with some new harebrained idea. Some of them I'm sure were great ideas, but a lot of them were because he was so exposed to the tech community through me, a lot of them were tech ideas. And so he would tell me an idea and I would have just written about something the previous week. And I'd say, nope, someone's already doing that. Nope, that's a bad idea. No, this company just shut down. And so he came to call me the dream killer because every time he would tell me an idea, I would have some reason ready for why it wouldn't work. But it was one of those, I think, protectionism things where I just wanted him to pursue an idea where I felt he was set up the best for success. And so I know we're going to get into this, but when he came to me with the idea for Willful, it was one of those, oh, I actually do think this is a gap in the market and I'm wholeheartedly behind this one. That's awesome. I, I think your husband is, is likely the person if I encountered at a dinner party, we'd end up in the corner just, you know, blowing out ideas for the rest of the night. Not oh yeah. And you would have bought seven domain names by the end of the evening, I'm sure as well. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I have to, I have to tell you when, when I was looking at ARIA benefits, I bought all the domain names around it. <laughs> So yeah, I can I attest to that. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think I, uh, I think I said, no, don't buy that one. No, don't, don't yeah. buy that one. No. <laughs> don't worry, Al, we have a lot in common. Okay. Uh, sounds like it. <laughs> so Aaron, let's talk a little bit about the estate plan, which is the, the, what the company does. Not exactly the most sexy topic in the world. So why are you so passionate about estate planning? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, it was not something just like entrepreneurship. Estate planning wasn't something that we grew up learning about in school, talking about within my family, at least. And when Kevin came to me with this idea, I kind of said, are you nuts? You want to start a company? I, I said before I was fully supportive, but I was after a while. But when he first told me, I said, could you pick a less sexy business idea? Like you're not an estates lawyer, you're not a technical founder, and you want to launch a tech business that helps people with estate planning. But for him, it was really personal because he had a family member who passed away and they hadn't put all of their wishes into kind of formal plans. And his family was sitting around arguing, did his uncle want to be buried, cremated? Where were his important documents stored? Did he have any heirlooms he wanted passed on? I mean, the questions that every family goes through when they lose a loved one. And we were using apps like Borowell and Wellsimple and all of these different tech-enabled platforms for every aspect of our lives. And it was just one of those moments where he's like, why is estate planning being the, done the same way that it has been for the past 100 years? In-person appointments, things on paper, et cetera. Eventually, he helped me to see that it was an opportunity. But I think what made me so passionate about it was just hearing all of the stories about what happens 
seeing it firsthand with our own family, sure. But hearing all of the stories about, to Robin's point, the number of folks who don't put these plans in place, even though they know logically that they should, and then on the flip side, hearing the horror stories of what happens when you don't have these plans in place and how it really disempowers your family. And so that's why I've become so passionate about it is I see my job actually not as selling you a will on willful. I see my job as raising the level of consciousness and awareness and education about estate planning in general. And maybe when you decide to do those documents, you will choose willful. Maybe you won't. Either way, our mission is to help ensure that every family does not have to go through what our did. And so hopefully I can do that over the next few years. That's a great point because we've certainly seen it in our business as well, that not having your plans written down, it can tear families apart. It can cause a lot of problems. So, you know, certainly doing some planning ahead of time, hopefully avoids a lot of that. Yeah. Just speaking from my own circumstance, my, my dad passed away earlier this year and my dad was in the business, you know, in quotes for over 40 years. And even for someone in the business and it was quite prepared, I mean, there were still issues going on and, you know, it took some, it took some work to get through it. So I'm glad, like you said, Aaron, just if, whether they choose willful or not, whether they, you know, a business owner chooses to deal with Al, I'm just glad we're able to bring some awareness to that because I think, I think especially COVID-19 has really brought that to light that, you know, a lot of people were unprepared. So hopefully this is, we can do our part to say, Hey, this is something that's out there. Um, there are resources out there and you should take a serious look at this. So one of the things that I've always loved about doing this podcast, I get to meet people like yourself, Aaron, you know, founders, people with different ideas and different perspectives, but I always learn something in every conversation. And that's what I really love. And you brought a term to us last time, and I got to ask you about it. You use the term death tech technology. And when I was thinking about that after our initial meeting, the question I had for you is what, what has the biggest challenge been in building a business in this new death tech industry? It's really fascinating, right? I can remember being a tech journalist for two years. I don't think I ever wrote about a company that did anything related to end-of-life planning, full stop. So it really is this kind of emerging industry. And we're also, I mean, Al probably knows this better than anyone, we're on the precipice of this generational wealth transfer that's going to see, not to mention, we're seeing a lot of innovation in things like burial with green burials and direct-to-consumer cremation. So this whole industry has emerged that has been coined death tech, which is really any kind of technology-enabled company that is trying to improve some aspect of end of life. And that could be tackling estate administration. It could be tackling wills and powers of attorney like we are. It could be direct to consumer cremation. And there is this little club of founders in Canada, many of them women, which is also really great to see, who are, are tackling death tech. So a really cool one in Ontario that launched recently is a business called Irene that does direct to consumer cremation. So you can literally go online and if you're organizing someone's, you know, if you're an executor, you can just, you know, in a few clicks, take care of that. So it really is disrupting this kind of traditional model. But the challenges that come with that are, it's a new industry. So whether you're trying to get consumers on board with going online for cremation, which is not their natural first instinct when someone passes away, or whether you're trying to go to investors and say, hey, we have a viable business, it can be just a challenge to build trust, to show them that this isn't a niche industry. You know, this is going to be a really big and growing industry in the future. And especially for investors to convince them that it's not a, a passing fad. This is an industry that's only going to grow over time. So we were actually fortunate to close the funding round earlier this year from a VC firm out of Montreal called Tactico. And one of the partners 
partners there had been an executor twice. And so it was really refreshing because instead of trying to pitch him on our value prop, he got it right away. He's been through this personally. And I always say to entrepreneurs, if you can find investors who identify with your pain point, it's always so much easier to get them uh, on board. Yeah, Makes a lot of sense. So a little bit bigger picture. And I think, I think you just touched on this just a little bit in your answer, but a little bit bigger picture. Where do you think this industry is going in the next few years? Uh, and you talked about already this uh, enormous wealth transfer that's going to be happening between generations. So in light of that, what's your outlook for, for this type of industry? A lot of the changes that I foresee are not actually with entrepreneurs in tech companies, I think there are going to be regulatory and legislative changes because our biggest challenge is not technology. Our biggest challenge is the law because in Canada, it's still not legal anywhere to sign a will online, store a will online. On the estate administration side, there's still a lot of physical paperwork, sending paper death certificates to people and things like that. So I actually think that a lot of the streamlining of the processes that will enable companies like ours to succeed will be on the, you know, the side of the regulatory bodies moving their processes and forms online, the government, for example, applying for probate after someone passes away, streamlining that and moving it online. And we have seen with COVID, I mean, none of us wanted to leave our house to go visit people in person. And so the government in BC and Ontario, they've been pretty open to digital will legislation. So COVID really has moved us forward probably a decade or two in terms of regulators and legislators. So hopefully that will enable a whole bunch of other companies, ourselves included, to be able to bring things fully online instead of still having those limitations because of paper requirements. So some good might actually come out of COVID. (laughs) Yes, some good, hopefully. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully we can find a few somewhere. (laughs) It was pretty tough. Everyone is just hoping for 2021 and I'm just saying, please let it be better. (laughs) Yes. Well, Al, again, this is uh, for our listeners. Most of our listeners would know estate planning and financial planning is is on your side. Did you have any final questions or comments for uh, for Aaron? Because I think this uh, this has been a really uh, interesting episode. No more questions, but I think uh, obviously it is something that we we deal with on a regular basis with all our clients and for people to have another option. it No matter how you frame it, it's a very uncomfortable topic for people to think about. And like I said, without planning, it can often, you know, create a lot of conflict and a lot of problems after the fact. So having something like this that is more available and hopefully, like you said, Aaron, educates people beforehand. It's a win-win for everyone, I think. And Al, to your point, we again are not trying to replace lawyers. We really are trying to augment them. And we're really targeting a segment of the population who would otherwise do nothing. The folks that are coming to us and paying $99 for a will and willful are not the same people who are paying $1,500 at Toronto's top estate lawyer. So uh, we definitely think there's room for so many different types of providers. And to your point, it's really up to the consumer based on their situation and their budget, which way they choose to get it done. Yep, absolutely. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for sharing your story. From now on, when I contact, I'm, I'm going to refer to you as the dream killer. because that's that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You, you and Kevin both. That's right. That's right. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself, your story, or what you're doing at Willful? Yeah. So I'm at Aaron Burry on pretty much every social platform. And Willful is W-I-L-L-F-U-L dot C-O or CA. And you can check us out there. And thank you both so much for having me. I really appreciate you shining a spotlight on this important topic. 
Awesome. Okay, that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leads clues, folks. And remember, it all starts with one. Thank you.